Welcome to Smarter Impact. My name is Philip Bateman, and I'm really happy to be here today with Liz Gillies, who's the CEO of the Menzies Foundation, one of Australia's foremost institutes on leadership, as far as I'm aware, and we're going to hear more about that today. Uh, Liz, thank you very much for being here with us. I'm delighted to be here, Philip. I really enjoy conversations like this and mm -hmm. appreciate the work you do around supporting better practice. Yeah, wonderful. Um, my understanding, you've got 20 years of experience in social impact, philanthropy and leadership. And this is a bit of a run sheet. You probably know all this, but for the people listening at home, you were instrumental in establishing and managing the Centre for Ethical Leadership at the Asia Pacific Centre for Social Impact. You did six years with the Melbourne Business School, um, higher education advisor to former Premier uh, Ted Ballew, and you got a research fellowship to investigate best practice in philanthropy. And I believe um, Jodie York may have been one of your colleagues yeah, for that. She actually, yes, yeah, she's worked on the Better Practice Philanthropy Research Project now with me over two reports. Yeah. Um, and we've done, you know, we've done some fascinating work together. Yeah, wonderful. You essentially developed the engaged philanthropy model as a result of that. And you said to me that philanthropists particularly give lip service to collaboration and strategy. I think lip service and just philanthropies too um, are probably a little tough. I think more, hmm. Philip, that collaboration and new forms of collaboration are really the key to how we think about solving mm. the big social challenges that we face as a nation and in the world. Mm. And people understand that collaboration is fundamental to that, but it's inordinately difficult to work outside of the silos and really requires resourcing, focus, endeavour, and, and evaluation to continue to build those collaborations that have the best opportunity for success. Mm. Um, the way that I often think about it is in my early days, um, I did a lot of work around pathways to work and, mm. you know, you can have very different conversations with different agents in that space. So if you talk to not-for-profits, they'll talk about wraparound services and the need for more resources and the need for better support scaffolding to support people into work if you talk to government they'll talk about intermediaries and the way the system works and how to improve the system and if you talk to business they'll talk about occupational health and safety and risk and labor shortages they're three fundamentally different types of conversations hmm. so what's the thing that would encourage those uh, different groups to come together and work in collaboration to unlock new ways of thinking and working it's a much more complicated uh, question than just saying put them in a room and have them meet and so so much of my work in philanthropy and certainly around better practice is really much more deeply understanding collaboration and trying to live it mm. and I'm aware that you just finished I believe yesterday the day before um the journey to impact with Simon Lewis and the good good wolf group that program has been an outstanding deep dive into new ways to think about impact investment. Mm. I see impact investment as another form of collaborative opportunity, mm. bringing the investment world and aligning capital with social endeavour offers a whole new way of thinking about how we build sustainable frameworks for change mm. and how we move away from the old paradigm of thinking that government provide all the solutions. So, um, uh, the foundation, the Menzies Foundation, is doing more and more work around really understanding how we can develop um, an approach to impact investment that supports our leadership endeavours on both sides of the um, continuum, both in terms of how we think about our corpus, investing it and, and utilising it for social impact, but also on the grant-making side, how our grants 
can actually facilitate and build the containers within which people can realise or really more deeply understand how impact investment might support social change agendas. Hmm. So for your peers out there, what have you found out? How do you do those things? Well, well, what's been, it's been an absolutely amazing journey. Um, so I, it's interesting. I, you know, I've been having impact um, investment conversations probably for 10 years. It was mm. quite an area of focus when I was at um, the Asia-Pacific Social Impact Centre at Melbourne Business School. And yet it's still really pretty embryonic in Australia. There's increasing opportunity for people to engage in it. There's increasing interest, I think, in understanding it and the implications of impact investment, of more deeply thinking about returns in alignment with with impact. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's plenty of opportunity, but in terms of a sort of, you know, there's a move, there's a slow burn on it rather than a groundswell of change and support. And I think it's incumbent on all of us to really think about how impact investment plays into philanthropic strategies and agendas for social change and how we can build the networks, contexts and expertise to be able to bring people with that sort of understanding into our conversations about social impact. Mm, context is an interesting word. What context are you aware of that surprise you or would surprise people that well, they might for be example, in? yeah, absolutely. So, Philip, the um, Menzies Foundation is interested in supporting science entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is mm-hmm. one of the leading leadership attributes for the fourth industrial age, that entrepreneurial disposition, that openness to adaption and innovation, to rethinking how we go about working. And um, one of our key leadership challenges is how we support science entrepreneurs and unlock them um, to build or have the opportunity to build investable enterprises that create better outcomes uh, for the um, around health, medtech, for example, in terms of our focus, and um, and also in terms of building the enterprises that will sustain Australia's future as we move, um, you know, into decades to come. So it's a really interesting leadership challenge. Australia has the most, one of the most outstanding health systems in the world. We mm-hmm. bet way above our average in science, but we're way down on OECD rankings on enterprise development. So the foundation's yeah. moved into that space. Um, We started doing some work uh, and launched the spinning out report that showed that um, there are a number of challenges that science entrepreneurs face. One of the most significant ones is the funding cliff between leaving the security of tenure and research grants Mm -hmm. and moving into building investable enterprises that develop to a stage where capital is interested in contributing to those that vision. Uh, And so what we've done is we've um, brokered and anchored a really um, important collaboration with the MedTech Actuator and Bright Light Impact Mm. to develop something called the Synthesis Capital Fund, which is a um, a looking at how we build an impact agenda linked to the SDGs to unlock science entrepreneurs by encouraging investors to invest in those those scientists who can create real change in the world. And the foundation in that sense is is going to um, has been a contributor in terms of anchoring the collaboration bringing the partners together funding that work and we'll also invest in the vehicle itself Uh, and we're having those conversations now across um, Australia and in Asia about how this way of working which is about capacity building bringing together new forms of collaboration can facilitate and make a real difference in terms of social impact. So you're mobilising capital into the valley of death between uh, angel investing and VC in Australia. And doing it in two ways, Philip. One in terms of anchoring the collaboration 
and and finan- and financially supporting the collaboration to develop mm-hmm. the new uh, proposition and two using our caucus to facilitate and su- and encourage other investors to join us on that quest so mm-hmm. both sides of how we think is a, a philanthropic entity both sides in terms of the power of leveraging investment and mm-hmm. the investment part of our responsibility with our grant making capability because mm. i've been part of the Australian Manufacturing Technology Institute Limited, AMTIL, for years and going to the annual manufacturing forums and things and hearing about Industry 4.0. And I hear you saying fourth industrial age, and obviously the two are the same. Australia needs to build the future businesses that are going to sustain us and, Mm. you know, in the world. We have the science capability. We have the research infrastructure. uh, We have the health system. We sit in the region. You know, we're very well placed but mm. it's the in-betweens that are needed that people need to fund in order to build those opportunities and create those platforms yeah and she's been at it for a while though shout out to melanie perkins who just became one of the richest women in the country if not the world and upset clive palmer and such with her wealth <laughs> and committed to giving away 30 percent of it it's a great which day. philip is an absolutely outstanding indication of what's possible do you know mm. what i mean and the way i think that all of us should feel in terms of our bigger responsibilities yeah i've got a big experience with atlassian as well for five years so you know mike and mike and scott who've got their grok ventures who are behind like the 5b solar technology and just amazing stuff's happening um, well, as I said, that entrepreneurial disposition is one of the sort of key leadership attributes that the Menzies Foundation is seeing in the work we're doing around leadership that we need to nurture. And the examples of those people, very successful, extraordinary visionaries, and also deeply committed to making a difference in the world is a really marvellous example, I think, of what's possible as we go forward. So can a, a STEM related like hard all the hardcore engineers i know there's a gap between science-based engineers and the leaders i've seen and what's your take on whether or not leadership can be taught or is inherent can i say well uh, so the um menzies foundation is really interested in this leadership question Hmm. and um we our whole purpose is really to do three things to Hmm. ask people to reflect on leadership to build their capacity around leadership and to contribute to the greater good. So, you know, we're, um, and we, and in the work that we do, we work around six or seven leadership challenges in terms of the foundation's work on the ground. And we use those incubators that we build around those challenges to deepen our understanding of leadership and the sorts of attributes that we see the important, important anchor of purpose, knowing who you are and what you stand for and what your contribution to the world's going to be. And then things like an entrepreneurial disposition, comfort in complexity, empathy, um, a global disposition, resilience. These are all things that all of us can develop, Philip, in ourselves. The anchor is purpose. It starts from really um, thinking about the pillars that underpin who you are, but most importantly, to the example that you mentioned before, Philip, what your contribution to the world is on numbers of dimensions, you know, across all facets of your life. We think that's the that we think that's the trajectory that we'd like to encourage people to pursue. Mm. And we think that's the thing that's going to contribute to a flourishing life for Australians and for Australians and their place in the world. What's your contribution to the world? My contribution to the world, Philip, is my absolute deep passion to working at the cutting edge of practice to bring together to provide opportunities for people to come together with multiple expertises to unlock new ways of thinking and working to solve our problems. Mm. 
So um, I, um, that's, you know, my work over the last 20 years has shown me the great power of different points of view and the catalyzing effect of bringing that together and creating scenarios where people can contribute that expertise but move beyond the silos to reframe and find new solutions. And the work at the Menzies mm. Foundation is all set with that. All of us have a, have a responsibility to step into those places, to ask ourselves who we are, what we can do, and to think about how we make that contribution. And that, I suppose, Philip, is my contribution to the world, mm. my really... It's not easy work sometimes. It's hard to get people to move out of what they know into what's possible. But mm. um, I think that's what I most try to do to make a difference in the world, Philip. Yeah. So you've been the CEO of a preeminent leadership organisation since January 2018. What makes you a good leader? Well, I'm, to be honest, it's a constantly developing mm. quest. Um, mm. I... Uh, I think what makes me, what I'm trying to do, the things I'm trying uh, to focus on is the conversation I have with myself about who I am and how I live in the world and what I want to be known for, I suppose, in terms of the values and the principles that underpin how I go into the work. Um, I've, I probably haven't always been the best listener because I'm always too excited about getting into the fray. So I've worked really, really hard at that. And I also think my deep and unabiding respect for those for, um, for the lived experience of people who find themselves challenged and who want to be part of that solution. So I, as I said, I think, you know, Philip, you're never a great leader. I think it's always mm. the thing that you must strive and work towards and consciously think about. Mm. I think um, the thing that I would like to encourage others that I think is the most important thing is that question how can I contribute to the greater good? Wherever I am, wherever I find myself, whatever I'm doing in my life, that ask that question around contributing to the greater good, I think is the key to unlocking huge amount of opportunity, as I said, for growing Australia's capacity to, um, you know, redefine leadership, to move people away from cynicism about mm. what leadership is and to energise and galvanise us to create the future that we all want. Mm. The future we all want. Can you touch on that for me? What future do you want? Well, I want a future where I think this notion of a flourishing life is really mm. has become preeminent in the way I think about that. What is a flourishing life? A flourishing mm. life allows um, everybody, I think, to philosophically think about the sorts of things that they hold true to themselves, but implies a sense of responsibility to yourself your family, your community, the nation and the world. Mm. And I think this idea of a flourishing life and the greater good is very mobilising in the sense that we all rise or we all sink mm. and the role each of us individually play in that is the key to, I think, designing the future that we want. It's not about polarity around political positions or it's not around which political party you follow. It's a really mm. deep understanding of how you think about a flourishing life and the role that you want to play in that. Yeah. I just made me think I've got the um, Melbourne School of Philosophy from, I don't know, 10 years ago, um, the light of reason going from me, family, society, humanity, and then world in the, in the outer circles. And it's just, yeah, it's really fascinating. Well, I think me. one of the things about, we were talking about this before, Philip, and one of the things about COVID that's so interesting is that, you know, COVID's in some ways removed geographic boundaries. Hmm. Where the Menzies Foundation um, works these days, you know, geography is just not a constraint. Zoom has unleashed us in some ways in terms of connecting. Um, and it's made us, it's reframed the way that I think about 
the role of Australia in the region and the world. One of the things that the foundation has gained enormous um, insight from is connecting through the AVP into the um, ASEAN conversation about philanthropy, the greater good, and a flourishing life. You know, the world yeah. is just the world is sitting there waiting for Australia to step into that, and to do that, as I said, purpose is the pillar. Purpose is the pivot that allows us to do that. I think. Yeah, I'm so excited about the sort of second and third generation of Asian um, family business where they built massive industrial empires and then to service the world because we transferred manufacturing into Asia through the 60s and 70s and 80s. And the kids are growing up with a much broader environmental and sort of community focus and going, well, what can I do with this wealth? And the um... and this is where impact investment is so interesting. Do you know mm. what I mean? Also, too, I mean, the young people have younger people have this mm. amazing sense of I think the greater good and a flourishing life that conversation mm. is alive and resonant for those people and we've got to give them voice and opportunity to shape the world and the future that they want I think speaking of Liz Gillies and flourishing can you tell me about wine and fashion oh yes I can Phil so Philip um so uh, where do I start so um my husband and I have a vineyard and a wine business on the side Hmm. That means my experience of entrepreneurship and building businesses is real and alive. I live it every day. Fashion, uh, fashion is a um, something out of left field. I have a very, I have all my family. They think I'm the conservative, uh, non-exciting. I've got four brothers and sisters, and they're all involved in. Hmm. Um, well, fashion and all. I mean, more of that sort of part of life. And my sister said to me a couple of years ago that she had an idea for a fashion styling portal and would I partner with her and I did um mm. and Philip we launched a company called LV and Leo um which were my grandparents um and Nikki my sister still runs it um I'm still involved just as really a major supporter she was pretty mm. unhappy when I left to come and do the work at the Menzies Foundation but we've since reconciled and she's doing a great job with it but once again it, all of that um, after that business, Philip, uh, to be honest, there is nothing someone can ask me to do that I know will get, I cannot achieve because starting mm. a business with a blank piece of paper in fashion, which probably mm. isn't my greatest strength, yeah. was one of the hardest challenges but most rewarding challenges of my life. So mm. there you go, Philip. No, nobody's asked me that question about wine and fashion before, but there you go. Hey, um, well, shout out to Jody for a bit of the background on that Oh, one. did she? I love Jody. That's yeah. The initiatives of the Menzies Foundation, I've got here systems engineering for next generation leadership, the leadership hackathons with Swinburne, which is great. That's where I did my master's in entrepreneurship and innovation. So shout out to the AGSE because great fun. Um, school leadership fellowship program, citizen leadership and community resilience, the Menzies Indigenous Women's Entrepreneurship Fund, the MedTech Actuator, Menzies Scholarships, the Philanthropic Impact Pioneers Program. This is a vast vast connection collection of things one as the ceo how deeply are you involved with these programs and two what really what excites you the most what do you look at and go ah oh, that yes. well philip to be honest all of it i have to mm. say um so basically what we do at the menzies foundation is we identify leadership challenges mm. and some of those things that you've mentioned are some of the leadership challenges that we um consider some of them you know really significant 
Have you got a framework or an algorithm for that? How does yeah. one identify a leadership challenge? Uh, well, with the board, when I first arrived, the board um, suggested that school leadership and science entrepreneurship, and because of the foundation's long connection with the law and Nini and Steve, and particularly the law, mm -hmm. uh, and since then we've broadened that to bring in some thinking about young people, uh, Indigenous women, and this idea of citizen leadership and community mm -hmm. resilience. But what we do, Philip, is we find that we identify those challenges and we build incubators around those challenges where we mm -hmm. bring multiple, we build the containers in which multiple expertises can support thinking to unlock new ways of working. Mm -hmm. And then we take what's happening in the incubators and we think about how to scale that into systems. And we work in systems in, <coughs> excuse me, in three ways. We work in systems, which is what we're doing with our school leadership initiative. We disrupt systems, which is what our science entrepreneurship <coughs> uh, play is and we build capacity in systems which is the work we're doing with the University of Melbourne and CAID the Centre for Artificial Intelligence and Data Ethics to build mm. help lawyers scaffold the sort of uh, thinking they need to um, cope with emerging technologies and the implications mm. that's going to have from, um, for all of wow. us and then what we do is we take those and as you can imagine we have this phenomenal lens into leadership philip um and an amazing network of people thinking and working around leadership in australia and the world and we take those and then we think about how do we take that thinking and elevate it into the leadership discourse and the work we're doing with genevieve bell at the center for cybernetics and anu is around a new experiential leadership development platform that takes that insight around leadership and thinks how we can build out programs to build that capacity in the community hmm. and the work we're doing with swinburne which i've got hopefully some very exciting announcements to make, make quite hmm. soon is this idea of how we build on the outstanding work of the Australian Leadership Index um, mm. being done in Swinburne and combine it with the precinct that you talked about, the Innovation Precinct, which is doing such great work around thinking about innovation to really um, contribute to the leadership conversation through an initiative hot off the press, not yet announced, called the Australian Leadership Alliance, which mm. is about elevating that leadership conversation and seeking um, impact import um, contributions from the community to define and think about how to build the leadership models that we want in the future. Hmm. So we work on the ground, we understand leadership, and then we think about how we elevate that into the discourse. Hmm. And as I said, our ultimate aspiration is this pivot to purpose. We want to create a movement around new ways of thinking about leadership and about connecting people into that leadership conversation wherever they find themselves, both in terms of their capacity as followers and also as their capacity to step into leadership as and when required. This is wonderful. And I jumped in when you were telling me all the things you're excited about that the centre's working on. Well, to be honest, I'm just excited. I Look, I am phenomenally fortunate. I have this unbelievably mm. outstanding board mm. uh, who are very uh, experienced in leadership and who have um, a, a great ambition for the foundation and who really bring their intellectual rigour, their network and resources to support the work. Mm. So um, that alignment between our ambition and our capacity to deliver on the ground and support of the board makes this, it's an exciting place to work, I have to say. And mm. our engagement model around this idea of incubation means that we're constantly immersed in opportunities to work with outstanding people in Australia and the world mm. to really reframe the leadership conversation. Mm. 
you mentioned scaffolding the legal system or lawyers for the change that's coming with the industrial revolution. Is this essentially, like I imagine when you can automate and outsource a lot of legal work, that could essentially come and gut the middle level of the legal system in this country as it's outsourced. Do you well, mean scaffolding just, for that awareness? Or? Yeah, that's just one aspect of it. So it's going mm. to change the way lawyers operate. It mm. absolutely fundamentally is going to require lawyers to develop deeper skill sets around um, typing. <laughs> about what, sorry? About typing. <laughs> typing well. Uh, but, but more around, mm. you know, for instance, cyber, to un, you need to, your question about algorithms before is really interesting. Mm. You know, you can't practice law and cybersecurity unless you understand how the codes, you know, how the algorithms work that allow those things to happen. So yeah. emerging technologies are requiring lawyers to develop skills in things like computational skills, behavioural skills, strategic skills that are slightly different according to the work we're doing with partners, um, the College of Law at ANU and also the University of Melbourne. Mm. And the foundation support is really about that translation piece. How do the funding that we're giving, um, working with, for example, CAVE and the University of Melbourne, isn't to do more of what they do on the faculty, but to build the translation piece between the deep expertise in the um, at the University of Melbourne, mm. across engineering and computer science and the law, and connecting that to the sector mm. to ask to co-create the questions that people need to ask to position our legal community to best manage the sorts of supports that the country is going to need as we navigate AI. Mm cybersecurity and these sorts of things. And that's very much the way the foundation works. How do we how do we identify the system question, the community question, and bring mm. together, as I said. So in the um, CADE example, we have the most outstanding advisory board, Philip. We have mm. people from, like, just, we have, you know, Susan Kenny, a federal court judge, Michelle Price, mm. a CEO of OzCyber. Chen Lim, one of um, Kingwood Mallison's most senior lawyers, Peter Collins, a huge amazing ethicist, just mm. to name a few of that advisory group. And that group are, are giving their time and their energy to support Melbourne University to design and ask the questions of the future. And then for um, the University of Melbourne to come and build that capability in the legal sector, which is a very indicative way of how the foundation works, finding mm. outstanding expertise building the incubation container and funding the things that need to be resourced in order for those conversations and activities to happen. Something that's fascinating to me, I've been in IT, I mean, I was using modems back before we had internet. Um, that was, I basically came in just at that point where everybody got the internet proper, you know, 33.6K internet, but still. Yes. And um, having watched that transformation and then being across blockchain and things, I recently did MIT's blockchain course, which is a really fun up to speed if people are interested. And there's the digital transformation projects that have been going on across corporate in Australia for the last, really picking up steam in the last four to five years, I'd say, um, as the CTO became like a really important, what, are we, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> or the, the chief of digital transformation, really. But as we're talking about AI and we're talking about algorithms and uh, well, I'm mentioning blockchain, um, that's a whole nother level. That's like a that's a new way of working on top of a digital transformation project or really companies that are, you know, global first to quote an aspect of the, the Swinburne MEI, which is really creating organizations of the future. And do you think you can genuinely, gen genuinely transition a, a non, I sort of, I don't know the term for it, but an organization that a legacy organization for want of a better term into a digital first company? 
or well, are they grown? I think, well, I think, no, well, well, we're really interested in that whole leadership piece and comforting yeah. complexity. The, this whole complexity and stages of development and complexity is one of the key leadership attributes that we're seeing. So, mm. you know, the sorts of worlds that you're talking about means you can't be the expert of it in its entirety. Mm. You have to be able to harness multiple expertises. You have to be able to feel comfortable in how you navigate not being in control. Do you know what I mean? Mm. In leveraging those expertises and melding them together and encouraging them to come in to work together in ways that solve the problems that you need to mm. solve them. So these are the really key leadership things that we are seeing as emerging as the sort of way that people are going to have to live and operate in, mm. in the new world that's emerging. The thing that holds you in our increasing experience, the thing that holds you and allows you to build the foundations from which you can be comfortable in complexity, you can be resilient, you can be global, you can be entrepreneurial, is this idea about purpose. And I, I know I keep repeating it, but know who you are, know what you stand for, work on those things that unlock the sorts of pillars that build your purpose capability, the stuff we're, work we're doing with the Ethics Centre, for example, about the fundamental role of imagination, of influence, of courage, these sorts of attributes, that is the place from which you then build the capability, as I said, to feel more comfortable about moving into the new world order, which magnifies complexity is at an accelerated pace, requires new ways of considering, for instance, the other and thinking about partnering, collaborating. Mm -hmm. These are the sorts of things that we're seeing across all of our work in leadership that are defining leadership for the future. And it's the sort of thing that we're focused on elevating this conversation. And as I said, encouraging people uh, to think about how they build that capability and confidence to move into the world in the way, you know, the world that you're describing. Mm -hmm. Is everyone an unrealized leader? Well, I think we had this fascinating conversation about this, Philip, the other day in the work we're doing in Swinburne around this Australian mm -hmm. Leadership Alliance opportunity. And, you know, where we got to, I think, which is really interesting, is that, you know, all of us in our lives take the role of follower or of leader at different times in our lives. Mm -hmm. What's important is that we really understand that what those roles are and what's expected of us and how to optimise our capacity to work in those roles mm. and when to choose or when to mm. be a follower and be a leader and understand the nexus between those states. If it's all anchored around a contribution to the greater good and a flourishing life, Philip, choosing either of those paths at the right time makes perfect sense, mm. if you know what I mean. So um, I think that I think all of us, even if we don't think of, about it. And even as I said, you know, the general view is that people are cynical about leadership. They see it as being, mm. um, you know, the purvey of sort of partisan politics and uh, of people using leadership for their own um, personal ends. Well, th there's a whole leadership requirement out there that is deeper and more important than that. And that is, as I said, this idea of greater good and a flourishing life, the role mm. each of us, everybody wherever they are wherever they find themselves has a part to play in that discussion and in that journey or that conversation i we're doing some unbelievably fabulous work with um aim around this emerging leaders plan and the way aim talk about flipping the script mm. the way young aim work with australian indigenous mentoring exchange work with young people around the world in all sorts of manifestations of exclusion or disadvantage and the way that they talk about flipping the script and how um, anybody, wherever they find themselves, has that capacity 
to think about who and what they want to be in the world is so inspiring and really, as I said, is an outstanding example to us all, I have to say. Hmm. So if somebody wants to lead a flourishing life, step into a flourishing life, be open to the possibility of having a flourishing life because they may be far from seeing it on, you know, a few steps away. Um, how do they go about it? Well, I think it starts by, as I said, it starts by, I think it starts from this idea of contribution. I mean, the thing that was extraordinary about Sir Robert Menzies, we're nonpartisan, irrespective of the politics, was he just had this outstanding sense of service. Mm. And service has become almost a word that people shy away from these days, but service and contribution and pride in the in our country and what we want it to become is a pretty compelling theme. So what's the what's the modern day, the contemporary version of that? I think that's the place to start. Who am I? Where am I in the world? How do I think about the greater good? What contribution am I making to it? What are the things I might need to develop in myself in order to make a better, a bigger contribution? These are the sorts of journeys. And there's plenty of people around the world who are thinking about this. Uh, Vic Stretcher talks about purpose being an, you know, an engine. Aaron Hurst talks about it being um, about being a verb, not a noun. So how are you living? What are you doing? What is your contribution? How can you magnify it? There are questions we can all ask ourselves, Philip, mm. and then think about how we take ourselves on that path. And does the, I don't, the average person, I consider you and me in exceptional places. We've got, we work with great people and life's pretty amazing. Um, where do people find the time or do they need to make the time to go and ask themselves these questions? Well, I, I think that's, I don't, I think that it's, it is who you are and what you believe. I mean, mm. to be honest, that dictates every part of how you live and what you do in your life. In, mm. in my view, you're thinking about it already. It just might not be. I just wonder if people phrased it. I, I'm amazed Philip in my life at the number of people who don't seem to have made the connection to this greater good or a mm. flourishing life um, and who with just slight tweaking, if they ask themselves that question, mm. may be encouraged to think about the contributions that we make. Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, I know, you know, I think my most important role in my life is me, it's frankly, is um, the role I play with my children. And mm. I just, I know, I see in them their understanding of what of, of the way that they think about the greater good and a flourishing life has been one of the defining things that brings them the greatest satisfaction in their lives. Are they good people? Do they have good principles? Other values? I mean, do you want to mean so? I, I can't mm. comment for other people, but I can say in terms of the people I have been influential over, I just know how resonant and important that is. And I think um, the greater good gives you as much back as you give, if that mm. makes sense. You know, that yeah. sense of connectedness, of being part of something bigger than yourself, of moving beyond selflessness and apathy to a sense of mm. responsibility is an opening up that creates so much more than it gives, I mm. suppose. Um, so I, I, I think it is in all of us, Philip. I just think it's a matter of thinking and reframing who we are and what we are and then taking small steps, doing actions that actually live that. I've been fascinated by the essentially the last two years that I've been in a box, that it's really created a lot of space for people to basically live with the choices they've made up to that point. And there's been enough space to realize 
they get to choose. I've seen so many people take different positions on how they want to lead in their own life in the small space they've been given, which is quite remarkable, really, to be like, okay, everybody, you've got this little area. This is your area. And nobody's going to be there to define it for you. Um, how are you going to deal with it? And there's obviously the cyclical nature that goes along with that. But I think it's been such a fascinating exercise for people to grapple with these, you know, who am I in this, in this, and how am I going to take care of myself and lift myself up and steer my ship? Well, leadership is all about what you do for others. Let's face it, Philip. Do you know what I mean? Mm. That whole purpose mm. of leadership is what you do for others. So how you think about that role and what you do, how you, what success means to you, how you live that. I mean, these are all the things you know, as I said, you know, I think Robert Menzies devoted his life to this idea of service, and I think we need a we need to create a movement around this a modern day notion of service, a more contemporary mm. idea. As I said, it would be greater good for a flourishing life. Beautiful. And I'm just going to zoom way back out now. I'm going to throw that question from Dr. Jody York at you. Yes. If you could magically shift one thing in the mindset of funders to improve the field, what would it be? I think it would be to ask them to move away from making grants to more deeply understanding the amazing opportunity philanthropy has to build um, the platforms for real social change to happen. Mm. So I think it would be a greater focus on the message. We spent the last couple of years really doing a deep dive into our strategy and understanding the engine that drives what we do and how we do it. And I just think I just think funders talk about innovation and they talk about strategy and they talk about collaboration. None of those things are easy. In philanthropy, no one holds you to account. It's not about how many things you sell. It's not about how many grants you get. I think the one thing I would change is we'd set a high bar for ourselves around improving our own practice, having greater clarity around our strategy and really understanding how to build the collaborations uh, that really drive social change. Yeah, wonderful. Um, I was going to say that made me think of Stephanie Gripney, who I met in uh, Colorado, who just does amazing work with impact giving circles and basically getting philanthropists to sit around a table and be like, look, how can we actually, rather than giving grants, how about we give 1% loans to the local, um, the local museum or the local uh, library? So they, we get our money back so we can keep using our, our money. It's not a grant, we get it back. And these okay. people... There's so many ways, Philip, philanthropy mm. can build those spaces for innovation to happen. Yeah. And, and it, it involves working in a myriad of different ways that's mm. far beyond just, as I said, grant making. Look, there's emerging examples right across Australia about mm. people doing great work in that regard. I think we just have to push that conversation further and harder. And the other thing I think, Philip, is it doesn't matter your size. I sat in an amazing forum yesterday and heard about outstanding work that the really big foundations are doing. The mm. Menzies Foundation is absolutely tiny, but it doesn't preclude you having an aspiration to generate real difference in the world and thinking how you go about doing it. In some ways, our size is our superpower because mm. we have to be agile and adaptive and responsive. So it's a mindset thing. Do you know what I mean? I just think that philanthropy needs to, and all those people who have paths and things like that, who really still see them as exercises to give away grants, step into the space. Think about your contribution, what you can bring to it. Get personal connection to what it is you're going to do and you'll just be amazed at what a difference you can make in the world. 
Yeah, wonderful. And if anybody's listening and isn't aware of any of this, which I'd be very surprised if you are and you're not, um, jump on Kiva with your friends and your kids and you know, make microloans through Kiva and just have a go at it. I've been doing that for like 15 years. And it's just amazing to see the what the power of money can do when put in a reciprocal format that allows change um, with options to like go, well, who needs this? It's um, really incredible. And we talked about before this uh, impact bonds. And impact investment, yeah. Oh, uh, well, actually bond creation. Well, I mean, impact bonds are just one vehicle in which to think about how to use new forms of blended capital to solve social challenges. What I really like about the whole idea of blended capital and new forms of capital is the sustainability Mm. platform. Do you Mm. know what I mean? It really, so the work work that we're doing with, um, I'm really hopeful that the work that the foundation's doing with Indigenous Women in the Kimberley, which is around building platforms for economic empowerment, financial literacy, entrepreneurship, business development. Mm. I'm really hoping that the foundation's going to connect with the global conversation, you know, being um, supported by Melinda Gates, the Lift, the Lift sort of platform, mm. which is looking at a number of different vehicles, impact bonds, new funds, a number of different vehicles to support women. And I, I think, you know, this idea of a global conversation about global capital supporting women and how Australia links into that conversation and how that sort of, you know, sophisticated modelling and development then supports women, Australian women in the Kimberley is just an amazing opportunity for us to reframe about how we think about that solution. And it's all strength-based, Philip. It's not deficit. It's not we need a grant or a disadvantage. We need a handout. This is all about a strength-based approach to leverage capital, to use it in new ways, to build, you know, extraordinary opportunity for those women to reframe their lives. And the work that we're doing, Philip, they want that opportunity. You know, Kimberly Birds, Natasha Short is doing outstanding work in Kimberley and the foundation can bring resources to support that work and connect um, those women into that global conversation through reimagining how new forms of capital and blended capital can support that in the longer term you know we've all got to be open to those new ways of thinking and working Mm, yeah completely um it's it's just it's just amazing i mean i came across uh really blended finance models through iix in singapore and doing their measuring impact for sustainability masterclass which i'd highly recommend to people um and they're creating blended capital around the sdgs i think is another course um but just for the listenership, there's the Global Steering Group for Impact Investing coming up in October 8th and 9th and 10th or close to, and then SOCAP Global straight after that, because I just find there's so many people doing amazing things. I was at Impact Days Vienna in my lounge room like five days ago. <laughs> yeah, I know, um, but, the, but it's a yeah. global conversation. The, yeah. You know, we, you, we can tap into it now, as I said, Philip, in ways that even five years ago was inconceivable. Mm. And there is, I mean, it's a movement that has so much potential. Mm. And the alignment between investment and social purpose needs the platform that fo- that fosters that collaboration, sort of role that philanthropy can play. If there's one thing you wanted people to know about leadership and their potential, what would you tell them? All of us have leadership in us. Mm. And it's how we manifest that and what we do with it, how we develop it, how we frame it what context we use it in. The Manzies Foundation is only as good as the people that work with us. Our whole premise is built around deep collaboration. So if you've got an interest in leadership, if you've got an interest in changing leadership discourse, if you've got an interest in creating the leadership that we need for the future in Australia and in the world, 
please connect with us join us get in the join the movement as i you know that's really what i'd like to say philip thank you for joining me for another episode of smarter impact it's a real pleasure to bring you these interviews and what did you learn out of this one can you leave me a comment down below and don't forget to click like and also share this it really does make a difference though importantly what did you learn leave a comment because I do read them all personally and I look forward to getting back to you.